we have um, one customer who's been with us for years um, who doesn't use dynamic pricing um, and has, but has like spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of um, what they need to earn. So they know what their, you know, what their outgoings are. They know what they, what they have like three pricing tiers. So their, their ideal price, their kind of the price they'll change it to if there's no bookings within um, a month, for example, and then they'll have their rock bottom price that they'll um, just, you know, make some money on or break even on. Um, so they're constantly going in and um, reviewing those prices based on all of their calculations. And, and that works for their business. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special three-part podcast series on the state of the short-term rental industry brought to you by my friends at Uplisting, one of the most powerful property management systems on the market. Over the next three weeks, join Vinnie Breslin, co-founder and CEO of Uplisting, and yours truly, Zach Buzicruz from Behind the Stays, as we unpack Uplisting's latest trends report. Airbnb hosts and short-term rental operators often work independently without much intel as to how their peers are marketing their properties, increasing their booking rates, and how much money folks are actually making from their portfolios. In order to address this issue, the Uplisting team took it upon themselves to collect and analyze data from their own customers, as well as hundreds of other STR owners and operators in the industry. This special podcast series will unveil some of the more interesting findings from this report and equip you with the insight that you need to figure out how your business compares to others. Uplisting invites you to download the full free report via the link in the show notes below. All right, folks, without further ado, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite evening cocktail and settle in for an informative and timely three-part conversation. All right, Vinny, we are we're live, man, with episode two of this special uplisting and behind the stays series. How are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm great, Zach. How are you? I'm doing good. You are in a short-term rental or a, a, a house that you guys just bought that you're going to turn into a short-term rental. So this is a this is extra exciting, man. Yeah, eating my own dog food, I think, is uh, the term to be used in the <laughs> stopper industry. Um, yeah, so I thought uh, we, my, well, my wife and I. Um, recently bought, well, we closed last week on a place in um, in Hampton Bays in New York, um, which we'll use to get out of the city every now and again, um, but we'll be on short-term rental. Yeah, very cool, man. Very cool. Um, that's that's awesome. I, I feel like today, it's it's in, in particular, just with everything with the market, it's it's so complicated and so hard to like know if you're making the right decision. Mm. But like, honestly, power to you guys for pulling the trigger and making this happen. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. You should just like document it in real time, like this story, and share it on yeah. social. Right? Just use it as a way for some subtle uplisting marketing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, thought about that. So I'm I'm kind of currently here doing some painting and getting it ready. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like um, I think I've added documenting the process on top of it. Um, yeah, it's just a such an amount of work to do as it is. Uh, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll share some photos. Yeah, dude. When I see those people on Instagram that are like showing you their whole build or whatever, I'm like, geez, like I know how I know a little bit about content and how hard it is to pull that off. And yeah, it's it's yeah. another thing to layer on because you also have to make sure it's not just about documenting it. It's got to like look cool. So you're worried about how the camera looks while you're painting yeah. the wall, right? And it's uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. nothing short of uh, of complicated. So power yeah. to those that can my, do it for sure. As I was say, my my wife is a documentary maker. She's like um. She she does like part of our documentaries and so not 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 TikToks or like videos like this. But um, if we didn't have two kids, I think we'd be able to 
pulling it off a bit, a bit better. I was going to say, now. like, you have no excuse now. You have a documentarian in the family. <laughs> uh, yeah, next, next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really excited for this. The second episode of this, this special series that we're that we're doing together, which, again, is based off of this report that you guys put out on the state of the short term rental industry. So if you're just joining us for episode two, I'd highly encourage you to uh, go ahead and, and listen to episode one. It'll be linked in the show notes below. You don't need to necessarily listen, listen to them in order, but if you're that kind of person that likes order when it comes to your content consumption, feel free to just uh, pause this episode and head on over to episode one, which again is linked in the show notes. But today, Vinny, we're going to be unpacking uh, more insights that this uh, really cool report that you guys put put out uh, revealed. And one of the sections in particular uh, that I think everyone at the end of the day is is quite interesting it, it, quite interested in learning a little bit more about is like how much money are people actually making with with STRs right and i do feel mm. like this is this is one of those big questions right where depending on what influencer you follow on social media that claims that you know they're god's gift to the short term rental industry and and knows everything that there is to know about how to how to get rich right here um mm-hmm. y- y- some people come into the market expecting to make millions other people come into the market with a little bit more of a you know level understanding that hey this is this is a lot of work right there's there's mm-hmm. there's nothing really passive of short term rentals is is what people are saying now so what I'm hoping you could just do is walk us through some of those questions that you guys asked in your survey um, to help get a sense for the kind of revenue and also profit that folks were making from their respective portfolios. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there must be money in this industry if, uh, you know, all, all the buzz around it. But uh, the questions we asked, um, three of the most relevant questions were, what is your annual booking revenue? Uh, what is your net profit percentage from revenue um, and what's your average occupancy rate? Okay. Um, we also asked how many properties you're managing, how many properties are you targeting to, to operate? Are you growing? Um, how many employees are in your organization? How long have you been in the STR industry? And is your pro- is your rental property uh, your primary source of, in- of income? Um, and we kept those questions open-ended so that um, the respondents could uh, enter their you know exact booking revenues and profits uh, yeah. rather than a range or whatever. And then we we, create, we we then created ranges to represent that information. Quick note: um, I want to talk about sort of the obvious, which is like, okay, well, what did people say? But beyond b- before that, um, how many people or like, do you have a percentage off the top of your from your notes or or whatnot on like how many people are doing this? How many people's primary source of income, I should say, is is from short term rentals? Uh, yeah, uh, we, where's that number? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a number somewhere, but, um, because I, I feel like that's a question that I've had. I know the people that have been on my show have asked me like primarily offline. It's yeah. like, who's doing this like quote unquote full time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. So, um, we, from what we found was that respondents that it wasn't, um, short term rentals, uh, was not their primary source of income, um, until they hit around the 26 property mark. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's still like yeah. side hustle mode for everybody until, until that 26th property. Uh, yeah. And, your data. Yeah. 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 That's, and that's what we've seen in the, in the, in the data. And that's kind of what we've all, always anecdotally kind of thought in uplisting, not from a, you know, not from this report perspective, but thinking about um, getting to a point where you have 20 or so properties is is not as hard as you think. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily something you need to be dedicating, you know, your full time 
um, uh, primary source of income to, unless you're buying those properties, of course. But the majority of our respondents are are property managers. Yeah. Um, so they manage properties on behalf of somebody else. And for them, getting to 26 properties is... Um, it's not, you know, it's just not a full-time job, yeah. which is which is really interesting. Uh, it's quite a lot of revenue at that point already. Yeah, yeah, that is really interesting. Do you have any data on um, those who who own, let's say, uh, 10, 20 homes? Like, are, are, are folks that are actually owning and operating, like, does that, does that percentage or does that number sort of change? The, I don't have, it, the majority of our respondents, the majority of our customers are not, um, owning their own properties yeah. like that. So I, I wouldn't, um, I don't think we'd be able to read too much into our report yeah. from, um, for that time slack question effectively. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would just be an interesting like follow-up to do like of like of the people that do own and operate, like what is that number? Is that number 10? Is that number five? Yeah. Like, is that number 15? Yeah. Like, uh, that, that would be super, super interesting. And obviously it'll, yeah. I'm sure it'll vary depending on, you know, unit type and, and market, but like that, that number would be, would be quite interesting to know. Um, well, yeah, we'll, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, it also depends on their business model then. So are they managing the properties or are they outsourcing the management? Yeah. Um, there's just, uh, you know, so many, so different, many variables. Uh, ways to, yeah, so many different ways to run this business. Um, but yeah, yeah. Today's hospitality entrepreneurs understand the importance of owning the entire guest experience, which is why building acquisition channels through direct bookings outside of OTAs like Airbnb and Verbo is so important. And while there are many great property management systems out there that can help you build a direct booking site, Uplisting empowers property managers with so much more than a basic website template, which is, unfortunately, what you tend to get with a lot of the other guys. With Uplisting's suite of direct booking tools, property managers can become their own channel and capitalize on referrals and repeat business. You can launch beautifully designed and fully optimized booking pages in seconds, even if you don't know how to write a single line of code. Additionally, if you have a website that you just love already, Uplisting allows you to easily embed their booking widget on your existing site, whether it's built on WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, or any other website builder. A lot of short-term rental hosts are nervous to scale the direct bookings because of all the tools that Airbnb offers to protect their rentals. Well, Uplisting's direct booking tools include a guest identity verification, the ability to easily collect security deposits and reservation payments, and a fully optimized mobile experience that lets you and your guests do all of this from their phone. Whether you have a single property or hundreds of properties, Uplisting is designed to help you accelerate growth with incredible reliability, critical marketing automation, and the most powerful direct booking engine to ever hit the market. You can start your 14-day free trial at uplisting.io forward slash BTS dash podcast. That's BTS as in behind the stage dash podcast. And once you've fallen in love with all that this platform has to offer, 20% off of your first year of uplisting when you use the code BTS20 at checkout. Again, that's BTS as in behind the stays, 20 at checkout. But act fast because this offer expires on June 30th, 2023. So check out uplisting, thank them for producing this wonderful series with us and get started at uplisting.io forward slash BTS dash podcast. And don't forget to use the code BTS20 at check out thanks guys well what were uh, what were some of the other like results from these questions that were that were interesting to you did, did anything sort of like surprise you or what what were some interesting takeaways um 
So we saw that uh, on average, companies with just one property made around forty five thousand dollars in revenue. Okay. Um, that range, the, the lowest was seven, um, and the, the highest was two hundred thousand. For for, um, for one then, property, you said. Yeah. One for one property. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we broke that down. Are we we the the ranges we have then are two to five properties. The average was one hundred and thirty four thousand dollars. Five to twenty five was three hundred and ten. 26 to 50 was 1 million and then 51 plus was 2.7 million dollars okay and this, this is revenue again revenue, revenue for the yeah. for the portfolio okay did you guys yeah. w- ask questions specifically about like like profit margin and, and any any like interesting takeaways there that correlate to the size of your portfolio yeah um so profits in terms of profits we saw profits that they, they profits generally decrease as your company grows and we touched on this in the last episode um and it, it makes sense um because you know as you're growing you have more expenses more overhead you have to hire you know team yeah. members you're not doing everything yourself um but even you know the largest companies that uh responded to our survey um they had a profit rate um on average of, of around 20 30 percent okay okay wow yeah it is interesting right like i wonder what that what that threshold is and i don't know if you guys have this data or, or not but you know between what what the jump is because when, when if, you, if you can right own and operate if you're if folks who are primarily responding to your survey you said our property managers are are they you know one or two person teams up until like 20 30 properties and then they've gotta they've gotta grow like what what is that number because again the minute you do you have to hire anybody else right mm-hmm. and or you've gotta uh, hire more than just a couple of people especially if those are full-time employees obviously you're gonna see those margins uh, uh dwindle but yeah i do wonder yeah. like what what that number is on average do you, do you guys have any data on that or no and not no data, but like anecdotally, I can. I'm looking at our largest customers, and we have customers are you know range that have one or two properties all the way up to 500. Okay. Um, and if I'm looking at the the folks with say 80 plus properties, um, they generally have um, somebody managing their operations. I think that that role of an operation manager at that point is it's at least again anecdotally just thinking yeah. about our customers yeah. seems to be um, a bit of a you know, a pivot kind of that, that's that's the point where um you have somebody managing all the operations and you as a business owner typically can go out and you know get new business or expand your revenues or you know focus on different aspects of your business rather than the day-to-day you know, in the weeds yeah 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 yeah, yeah which, which i think is like also just a really interesting takeaway for for folks to keep in mind right like i think i mean this is so obvious uh from from um uh you know on the one hand but like I, growth for the sake of growth is not always great, right? Like, meaning, yeah. <laughs> if you if you can own if you can own and or operate like you know 10, 12 properties, whatever it is, or even if you can operate your by yourself up to 15, 20 properties, um, you, you might not actually want to grow. Uh, you, you might be you might just want to you know figure out how do you how do you like get more efficient with your management, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and or yeah. how do you, you swap you know, properties in and out of your portfolio, because you yeah. know, once you get to, to a certain threshold, you, you have to, you have to hire people. And again, then your, your margins are just going to be slimmer. Your profit margins are just going to be, be slimmer, which again, like if, if you have this, like if you have really ambitious goals with like the company that you want to grow great. Right. But mm-hmm. not everyone, not everyone needs to grow like massive for, you know, for, for yeah. the sake of growth. Um, and in fact, I yeah. think sometimes people can grow too quickly and we're seeing some of that in the marketplace right now. Right. And, and, yeah, you know, yeah. there's, there's some, you know, downside to that. For sure. I think that's, it's a, a fairly common 
um, I don't know if it's a mistake, but it's um, maybe lack of experience in, in growing too quickly before you've you got your operations nailed down, your processes, um, your business model even, you know, and then yeah. you're kind of at a point where you're at a certain size and you really need to rethink um, how your entire business is run. Yeah, yeah. When um, you guys asked folks about sort of uh, pricing strategies and kind of their, their rev pan and, and, and other sort of uh, questions that pertain to nightly rates and just kind of like, again, uh, these are these are all wrapped up in revenue really but like what were some of the interesting mm. things that you all discovered from from respondents uh so one of the biggest to get takeaways and i think you know most of us who are familiar with the industry and um what's the, the you know what's um the involvement of the industry the past yeah. few years is that uh, you you need to be using dynamic pricing of some kind yeah um, that's like fundamental so um generally from the respondents you'll see a higher occupancy high, higher occupancy rates and better profit margins um due to dynamic pricing software yeah yeah was there did you guys have any questions about not not to not that we don't you know need to go too deep here but any questions about um uh, about specific tools that people use and like where like the software that individuals use and which ones they found to be like more successful or, or not really no, we didn't um, drill into the the software you're using, but you know, again, thinking about our customer base, the the vast majority of our customers would use Price Labs. Yeah. Um, okay. But obviously, beyond Wheelhouse, um, are also you know very popular yeah. um, solutions. It's very much uh, a case of what you prefer yeah. personally. Um, but they they do a very similar job, and the job they do is um, better than you tweaking prices yourself yourself yeah um, which yeah which you because you, you just can't know everything you don't know that there's um some random conference occurring you know yeah. a turnover or something that's going to increase your um the price that you can charge or yeah. that there's a event coming in you know two years time or something you know all, all of those things is where um dynamic pricing um just you cannot do it by yeah. yourself do you guys even if this is like anecdotal um i'm curious you know, there's there's a difference between just like dynamic pricing, and then I feel like what people are talking about a lot today, right, is this idea of revenue management and strategies for revenue management as a little bit more mm. comprehensive than just you know yeah. dynamic pricing. Do you guys yeah. uh, do, do your customers talk about this a lot? Like, do you do you see sort of like the industry getting a little bit more sophisticated in how they think about this? Is there any sort of correlation between? Hey, at this particular size of portfolio, folks are really wrestling with like questions around revenue management as opposed to just like tweaking nightly rates here and there for their for their you know listings like any sort of uh evidence even even or data even if it's anecdotal around that yeah well I mean, we have a number of um customers who use rented and, and rented's um you know personal touch or whatever whatever they call it where they have somebody actually review your your uh, your number so the one thing with dynamic pricing is you can't just rely on that slowly yeah. and then never look at your prices ever again yeah you you do need to be reviewing them and making sure that they um make sense or tweak them as you as you see fit you know you might be happy to get a, a booking next week at a slightly lower rate than what uh, is you know that's synced over for dynamic, dynamic pricing software so it's, it's very much you still need to be involved with it yeah uh, it can help you figure it out um but then as you grow for sure you need to have um some sort of revenue management manager management person um whether it's you know um part of rented or you know somebody you bring in, in into your team um but I, I don't know when the exact you know what, what size that is and it yeah. all depends on 
it's not just the number of properties you have; it's also the you know your nightly rate and yeah. um, what where you are you luxury property are you you know um, more of it on, on the lower end. Um, there's so many variables, um, yeah. so I, I can't say when exactly you would have that person, but it's definitely um, definitely a a role that needs to be filled. Yeah, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were telling they've got uh, I think a portfolio of about 35, 40, 40 properties that um, they own and, and manage uh, probably like uh, probably less than half of them. But, and then the rest that they, they just manage, right? But one of the things that they've done with their portfolio is they've kind of broken them up into these different like collections. So they have like a, you know, like a luxury collection. They've got like a unique collection. Mm-hmm. They've got like a, other collections, like a downtown collection or whatever it is. And one of the things that they were saying, which was super interesting with respect to kind of like revenue management and, and strategies for revenue management is they they said like, hey, as a business like right now, what we're really just trying to do is we want to grow our brand around like the unique short-term rental experiences. And so we're actually like just breaking even and okay with just breaking even with our, you know, unique collection because th- we, we see this as like a longer term play, like a, like a, you know, mm-hmm. we, we really want to grow in this niche of short-term rental. Whereas like our, our luxury collection, like we know exactly like where we need to be. We, you know, we've, we've been with these properties a long time. We, we understand the markets really, really, really well. And so we can sort of just, you know, steadily increase price, uh, over time while still using obviously dynamic mm-hmm. pricing, but like their their you know their floor is is higher than you might expect because they they feel like they have used these tools long enough to really really understand yeah. their market, which I thought was kind yeah. of interesting because it's like again it's one portfolio right like it's one one operator, um, but they're you know they've got micro strategies uh, depending on like what specific sub sub uh, area of their portfolio they're interested in growing in and which one can yeah. sort of just kind of like steadily rise. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's all it's all based on your your business model. We have um, one customer who's been with us for years um, who doesn't use dynamic pricing um, and has, but has, has like spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of um, what they need to earn. So they know what their you know what their outgoings are. They know what they what they they have like three pricing tiers. So their their ideal price, their kind of the price they'll change it to if there's no bookings within yeah. um, a month, for example, and then they'll have their rock bottom price that they'll um, just you know make some money on or break even on. Um, so they're constantly going in and um, reviewing those prices based on all of their calculations, and, and that works for their business. You know? yeah. So it's um, very much dependent on on what you're. Uh, on how you run your business, what your goals are. Yeah, I know that this is somewhat of a tangent too, but um, I, you know, there. I feel like you know with, with, what we've seen with flights now, right, and this ability to like, um, I, th- I think about, I think I use Capital One um, as as my bank, and like they've got this like integration now where, with like Hopper, where like Capital One like travel, you can like you know they'll tell you all the time like, hey, like don't book this, you know, don't book this flight yet, like don't you know wait, 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 wait. Or you know what we we predict, even though the, the prices look high, and even though you read that everyone's going to Europe this summer, like just just still wait, like a, you know a few weeks or whatever it is. And obviously, booking mm. a flight is different than booking a, a you know a, a short term rental. Short term rental typically is like you know a unit of one. There are more than one seat uh, on an airplane, right? But but sort of yeah. like I, I do I do sort of wonder as as people just get more sophisticated, as there are more tools out there that help people better understand like when is the best time to book whether or not some of these dynamic pricing uh strategies that you see especially when you see sort of these like massive like discounts if you're looking at like an ota like you see like you know this listing is 40 percent uh lower per night per night than it was you know a couple months ago 
Mm-hmm. I wonder how that plays into consumer psychology about like when to book. Like and and in our people sort of like waiting and kind of expecting kind of a deal to pop up or or is that not necessarily true in this space because again we're dealing with like one you know a singular unit that's either booked or not booked. Mm. I, I don't know if yeah. you've got any like musings or, or thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean it's I guess it's a bit different to the there's a lot of, you know, there's no um mom and pop airlines or whatever yeah. you know, there's not, there's not, none of those um properties out there that uh don't necessarily aren't as professionals where you know we're, we're having this conversation around um hosts who are looking to you know use tools and, and yeah. such and there's, there's plenty that aren't you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um there's uh i was gonna say i was saying and then also the sorry and then also there's the the lead times so, yeah you know, lead times are fairly um, short as it is yeah you know, 30 30 60 days um so i don't know um how uh you know that that's this, yeah. it's not it's it's well it's not rare but um typically they're booking in shorter lead times than um you may do for, for a, a flight uh, yeah yeah international flight perhaps yeah yeah no that that's totally true i just i i i'm always intrigued by this kind of stuff and like how how much like you know seeing how people respond to price seeing just we're all price sensitive right uh to, to some yeah, degree sure. and seeing how those dynamics yeah. play out in this space is super interesting yeah um, yeah yeah what are i mean i don't know don't, i don't know the uh, what was gonna happen so i'm <laughs> also interested yeah yeah it'll be fun it'll be fun um just mm. kind of stepping back to from um some of these questions around how much money people are actually making what their profit margin actually looks like um how that correlates to the the size of the portfolio was there was there anything that surprised you and or just overall impressions uh, anything that stood out based off of the the data that you all collected yeah i mean honestly nothing too surprising you know we know that short-term rentals are are high earners and, and profitable um, yeah or else we, we all wouldn't be here yeah uh so you know that's just kind of reinf- our, our results are our data reinforced that um understanding at least um, and we've always we've already talked about dynamic pricing, but um, the benefits are are really clear um, from our uh, from our responses. Uh, and then profitability decreasing as you grow also makes sense. So I think all of those, I think those are three kind of findings that um, are not necessarily surprising. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily surprising, but also like good data to reinforce kind of like, hey, this is a this is a cool space to still be in. Um, you can yeah. still make money in it, uh, again, despite some of the the headlines that you might see out there. So absolutely, I, I will yeah, be curious. Absolutely. It'll be interesting. I, I hope you guys make this like an annual thing. But it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to kind of see like, yeah, what happens over the next couple of years? And like, how do how do these questions uh, do, do the answers to these questions change? And or is you know, they're there, you know, there's certainly, you know, some, um, some aspects of, 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 of the space that maybe are like inflated a little bit, right. And maybe we'll see some, mm. some, some more of like a return to, to, to normal, like in 2018, 2019, but like, is it going to be doomsday? Like a lot of folks uh, out there uh, in the, in the media are, are predicting or based again, based off of this particular, uh, th- these results, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look doomsday to me. No, no, I don't. Th- definitely not to me either. And um, there's so many, there's so many interesting things happening in this space, like the kind of the overlap with traditional hospitality, yeah, you know, with hotels, guest houses, B and Bs, and um, there's so many ways to um, test out different um, models, uh, and that's kind of what we see with Uplisting. What we want to do is provide our um, provide entrepreneurs basically to test out different um, models and kind of 
help to power the future of our industry over the next few years. And, yeah. Um, it's not entirely clear how that, how that plays out. We, I, I was talking to a, um, somebody in real estate there recently who's working for a, a large American, you know, developer. Okay. Um, and, uh, which I think is really interesting. They, they, they're building, you know, some multi-unit um, properties that, you know, could have 100, 200 properties in uh, 200 units in it. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, they're very um, consciously adding, you know, 20, 30 short-term rental specific properties or huh. units within that entire building. Um, so they're, you know, looking to take advantage of the long-term and short-term um, rental opportunities. And yeah. um, just the idea of these, you know, these guys who have, teams and teams of revenue managers, you know, looking into what's happening in the market, um, thinking that they're going to, you know, physically build purpose-built yeah. short-term rentals within an entire building that would traditionally just be for long-term uh, long rentals. Um, again, something that's, I find, you know, extremely interesting that that's, um, you know, on their, uh, you know, on their plans and yeah. they, they see the value, the value of it. It it should be a good indicator, uh, uh, you know, of, yeah. of of sort of the longer term potential here. Yeah, like they're they're building, um, they're adding bag rooms to these properties, to these wow. buildings, so that um, you know they can provide early check in, late check out. You know, yeah. all, the, the, it's quite very different to what you would traditionally build in a multifamily unit. Um, and just yeah, just the idea of them actually, you know, an, an architect designing these and physically building these um, purpose-built um, properties uh, is, is I think, you know, a sign of things to come. Yeah, and 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 couple couple that with just like, you know, we're seeing a, you know a huge influx of like institutional capital now like coming into the space and seeing you know VC money being poured into these like early stage startups that are trying to build these next gen hospitality brands and so like I, I do also feel like these are these are good signals uh to to the community that hey there's there's still a lot of potential here um which is uh which is certainly exciting but yeah again I'm super excited about this report and what you guys are doing I and I, I really do hope that um you know you continue to do it every year so we can kind of track like how is the narrative evolving and and, and changing um one of the one of the sections you all covered that I also was intrigued by was you talked about like the different challenges folks face depending on their yeah. the size of their short-term rental portfolio. You've talked a little bit about this in terms of like, hey, as you as your portfolio gets larger, typically you, you sort of you see these like uh, th this dip in profit. You've got to hire more people. You, you just have more expenses. That makes sense. But mm. any any sort of specific challenges that you that you all noted with respect to folks kind of at that one to five size, the the you know six to ten size, and then people that have like more than fifteen properties that they're that they're managing. Yeah, yeah, I think some interesting insights here. So uh, across the board, all sizes, everybody struggles with getting more bookings. You know. Mm. That's maybe an obvious one, but that's a constant um, challenge for everybody. Um, then if you, uh, with your, if you, you know, whether you have one property or 25 properties, um, and this is for property managers in particular, um, getting more clients is a challenge. So adding, adding clients, adding properties to your portfolio is um, something that people need to work on yeah. and, and, you know, figure out how they can, how they can add more clients. Um, the, Around the 26 to 50 property range, um, we saw an interesting shift and 
um, that's when it becomes more important to find reliable staff. Um, so um, that that becomes more of a, a pressing issue at that size. So in order for you to, as we discussed earlier, you know, um, click into or go to a different gear and yeah. um, grow, you need to find the right staff. And so finding those is is, is challenging. Um, then when you're 51 plus properties, um, it's about a lot of operational stuff. So uh client management yeah. and statements reporting um becomes time very time consuming and it's it's uh, a number of features that are working on with an uplisting at the moment we're releasing a client statement feature in the next couple of weeks and we've we have a client management platform that we um have internally as well and you know thinking about these large customers some some of these guys are spending a week you know at the end of the month with some with one of their team members just churning out statements for their clients yeah, um, which is you know, which is it's a lot of time. Be, uh, yeah, and then there's city and, and local regulations um, become more of a concern when you're at that point. You start thinking about the uh, you know the longevity of your business and um, uh, and those kind of you know less in the weeds of running your business kind of concerns the the bigger picture, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which again, all, I think you know all of that. No huge surprises there. That 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 makes sense. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I do, I do have a couple final questions for you. One, one is just around like, given the fact that you guys are a, a software company, right, and you're you're building solutions for for the very folks that you're serving. Like, mm-hmm. what what aspects of this survey, if any, sort of have informed your your product roadmap? Like, were were, were there aspects of these uh, of these findings that like changed uplistings sort of priorities at all and or just what are what are some some of the tooling uh that you guys are building to con- continue to sort of like meet the needs of this growing and and, and very dynamic industry yeah yeah de- definitely i mean we've had the survey for um a few months now so it's kind of a lot of the, the product um Insights yeah. uh, are, are well underway or have been released already. So mention the statements, for example, yeah. and it's something we always always were aware of that um, is important to our to our customers. And it doesn't really matter if you know, it says here when you're fifty one when you're fifty one plus properties becomes more of an issue. But it's also um, we have a lot of people coming to uplisting with five properties who are who see themselves at be, you know being a hundred plus properties in one or two years time. So they're they're, they're looking to. Um, find a solution that solves their problems in 12 months time, not just today. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so statements is um, kind of invoice time. Invoicing and statements is, is a huge one. It's, it's we've been working on this for a long, a long, long time. It's a huge, <laughs> um, 
product. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's one thing for sure that um, was really clear. We also, um, in terms of finding clients, so for our property management clients, uh, customers finding their um, you know property owners or, or clients, whatever it is, we have um, uh, a service that we offer, which uh, helps to basically uses Google Ads effectively to um, find uh, ah, potential new, new leads prospects for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We call it leads as a service um, for, oh, cool. for short-term rentals. Um, that again is a big problem. The, the, the reason we actually offer that through, um, it's my, my brother who runs that part of the business oh, and cool. he's, he's like ex PayPal, um, digital, um, ad basically. So he's like, so uh, he knows yeah, a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. All these numbers that he's looking at. I'm like, what, what the hell is this? Um, but, but he, uh, he grew his business, a prop, he had a property mansion business in, uh, with, with, a, with a, with a partner in Edinburgh and they grew, they grew from, you know, zero to 200 plus properties, wow. um, primarily through, um, uh, Google ads. Um, so that, that's the service we offer to customers who are looking to, um, add more clients. Then we also have a service for a similar service for booking. So we have, um, uh, helping to generate direct bookings through through Google Ads um, specifically. So um, yeah, so we 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 kind of the report for us has reinforced a few of the features and services that we're offering, and has, has allowed us to to shape them in ways that maybe are more appealing to yeah. um, uh, the concerns of you know these respondents. Yeah, yeah, no, which which is awesome. I mean, and again, one of the cool things about doing these these surveys and also positioning them is not just like, hey, this is not just like a customer feedback survey. This is like a, hey, we want we, we this is an industry like a state of the industry survey, a state of the mm-hmm. industry report. Big benefit is you, obviously you could use it as like great marketing collateral, but then beyond that, right? It it should absolutely affect your all's product roadmap and like, hey, you know, may, maybe this feature that we thought was super interesting or super compelling, like people aren't saying that they need this, like, let's still do it, but let's push it down a little bit further, right? Mm-hmm. And let's, uh, let's bring yeah. something else a, a little bit up. So love that you guys yeah. are doing this. It's, it's, a, it's a great and effective way to, to essentially just do like, you know, product market uh, research, um, and, and figure out like, hey, like, is this, is this an opportunity that we need to be focused on right now? Or, or can we wait a little bit on it? Yeah, I mean it's it's critical for us, and we we do a lot of customer research. You know, outside of this report, we do a lot of interviews with our customers um, to understand what their challenges are. And we, do, we do that regularly, um, so we, we're you know we need to know what uh, I think what happens when you you know in, in software and product design, um, you hear a lot of um, folks saying what they what they what they want. You yeah. know, I want I want to have this. It's not necessarily what they actually need. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think the the which is which is a real you know joy of building a product is to is to take people's um wants and and drill down into them until you discover what the actual problem is and what their need is yeah and then building building a solution to that need um so some of the features we release you know we build aren't necessarily um feedback from our from yeah. our customers in, in terms of they they uh, i really want to have this but yeah. then um you you release it and you kind of explain what it is then it's uh it, it, you know, becomes a really extremely valuable um solution yeah i, I feel like I, i'm going to totally butcher this quote but you know steve Jobs said something like this right that was basically like our customers like don't know what they want until we create it for them or something like that like this idea that yeah. you, you <laughs> if we created everything that people say that they want like we we wouldn't have a business right but, but in actuality if we exactly. create something great they're going to want that um so yeah no it, it, it's really important to you know obviously uh, get get feedback get these insights but then also like trust your all's gut as as entrepreneurs yeah. in, in in the space who who have a broader vision and a, a broader scope yeah 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 just parse that information um 
and uh, figure out the solution. Yeah. But yeah, so, so the report's been you know, extremely helpful. Always learning and understanding what's happening right now in the market is uh, always extremely valuable for for us and for everybody else who, be, um, who can look, look at this report. First yeah. and foremost, the report is for um, hosts and, and property managers and operators to um, get a benchmark of or get a feel of yeah. what's happening with, with their peers. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's what we created the report for fundamentally. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are um, who haven't had an opportunity to go check out the actual report, just scroll on down to the show notes. I'll have that linked there, as well as links to uh, Uplisting's uh, website. You can go learn a little bit more about about their offerings. Um, again, read the report too, because as, as Vinny just mentioned, it's really, really helpful to just have some aggregate like benchmark, right? Or if, regardless of the size of your portfolio, there's, there's going to be something that you can benchmark yourself against in the context of this report. And even as, even as you're thinking about your own growth strategies as your business, right? Even if you're deciding like, hey, do I want to scale or do I not want to scale, right? These sorts of insights yeah. can can help you make a, a really great and, and and better informed decision. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Well, Vinny, thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate all the great work that you guys are doing at Uplisting. Thanks again for continuing to push the envelope on the product side, but also on the on the marketing side and helping kind of equip us with these with these insights, which are just really, really important for us to all keep in mind as we consider how to how to grow our businesses. So really appreciate your time, man. This has been a this has been a pleasure. And again, this is episode two in this three-part series. So stay tuned for the final episode coming up very, very soon. And then again, if you're listening to this, we're recording this uh in in at the end of april right now if you're listening to this in like august or october or november all three episodes will be done by then so just scroll on down the show notes everything will be linked there and you can go and binge this series next time you're stuck at the airport or you know in a long car drive somewhere but uh vinnie thanks so much for your time man thank you zach thank you so much